This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He played. Oh, he's the one. Pussy up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football Sunday Recap Edition. Joined by, for the first time in a while, Mike Craven. How are you doing, Mike? Doing pretty good. Here to defend my honor. Sometimes I'm driving home uh, from games and then listening to y'all Sunday recap, talking about my power pole and stuff. So I'm here. I'm here <laughs> to make sure nobody nobody squishes on me. I also have a complaint about the wide zone slander, but we'll get to that at some other point. <laughs> Listen, that was your, your idea. <laughs> it's not your fault that the shine is off that name. It's not your fault. It's not. It's not something. You it was always meant to be funny because of like yeah. we all like split zone duo and we were just coming right. up with a different running Stuff. system. But yes, y'all are y'all are <laughs> feel free to come up with a better name. <laughs> all right. Of course, everyone's heard of Mal Pals here. How are you doing, Mallory? I am doing well. Got to see a semi good game yesterday, but yeah, actually, yeah, so not... kind of surprising good game. Yeah. Um, in... Okay, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, we're going to dive into our games of the week really quickly. Um, we're going to go Texas, Iowa, Texas 26, Iowa State 16. All right. So this one, like, it seems like to me, Texas is like incapable of playing like a game in which they should like, I don't say should dominate, but like there's like incapable of playing a game where they just don't give their fans palpitations because it seems like this one defensively they were able to just like controls at nine rushing yards they held iowa state to and yet iowa state was still very much in this game until about uh, i'd say mid fourth quarter when they finally had a 10 point lead that was kind of just uh, a little too insurmountable but it did feel weird that like despite holding them to nine rushing yards and that it was still like the fans were like all right when's it When's it going to happen? You know, offensively, I know Jonathan Brooks is out. Um, they kind of, uh, CJ Baxter kind of came into his own late, but you know, what were kind of your thoughts, Mike, on, on just kind of this game that had the makings of trap games, the wrong word, because Iowa state's a good team and everybody knew what they had to play for uh, as far as Texas was concerned, but a game that traditionally Texas could easily just have lost. Yeah. Uh, you know, y'all are a little bit younger than me, but I, I kind of ascribe to the whole Bobby Bowden tenure uh, rule which is in year one you lose big and year two you lose close and year three mm -hmm. you win close and then in year four you win big and, and they're in year three they're in the win close year and so that's kind of what texas has been doing all, all year we need to remember this roster isn't used to winning you know even the stars yeah. on that roster have not won a lot in college um, steve sarkeesian today is the first time he's ever won 10 games in a, in a season as a college head coach this is the first 10-win regular season for Texas since 2009. And so when we look at the Longhorns, we expect excellence. We expect them to roll over these teams that they're better than. But Iowa State's a good football team. They're a tough football team. You know, it's it's hard to play there at night, you know, in the blackout, all that kind of stuff. And so for me, this feels like a game that Texas probably loses back, you know, back in 2021, right, when Bo Davis has mm -hmm. his big rant and they talk about the five-star culture uh, versus the five-star players. You could tell that hurt Texas with yeah. how much they talked about it after the game on social media. It was a hit dog will holler situation. And they wanted to prove that this is no longer that 2021 culture. This is now a five-star talent with five-star culture. 
type situation. Uh, I think it's great signs for Texas. The defense is awesome. Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are, are absolutely insane people. And as long as Quinn Ewers can hold on to the football and get healthier and get better in the passing game and C.J. Baxter comes along, this is the Big 12 champion with an outside shot of making the college football playoff. Yeah, I think, I mean, Devondre Sweat's playing himself into being the first interior defensive lineman off the board, a la Jalen Carter of Georgia a couple of years ago. Like, he's been that dominant. Um, and you mentioned with Byron Murphy, just been incredible um i mean look quinn ewers people complain about quinn ewers in this game then you look at the numbers 281 two touchdowns yes he's missing on a couple deep shots here and there but i think that's just going to come with the territory right he's probably not going to be the top end product that we maybe have projected him to be which may be a a a a cautionary tale of finishing high school and getting those reps and going through your senior year right uh but he hasn't been a bad quarterback. He's he could be a quarterback that can lead them to a, the college football playoff and all that because we know that this this team's going to rely on the run game a lot and not going to put a lot on his shoulders. So I agree. I think this is something that Texas is showing enough of to be able to 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 be considered a conference contender and then maybe a friend they're going to need some help, but maybe one or two losses in a, a playoff team potentially. Is Texas still at six or seven in the seven? They're at seven. Okay, that's right. They're seven. So, so yeah, we, so, I mean, the scenario that would likely need to happen, Florida State probably needs to lose. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then if not, then Florida State and then the winner of the Pac 12 title game will go in because obviously Ohio State and Michigan play each other out. That'll sort of, and then this week. Right. Um, And we'll see because the the tricky situation comes if Alabama beats Georgia, right? That's kind Mm -hmm. of when. Texas fans probably will burn down the college football playoff headquarters because it's almost improbable that they leave a big uh, uh, one loss SEC champion out. But what happens when that champion's lost to the big 12 champion? <laughs> and I think Texas would make a case that we're the SEC champion. That's right. I mean, like point. they're, they're yeah. joining the, they're joining the SEC next year. You don't want yep. there to be weird feelings right there. Right. And so like, I think for yeah. all intents and purposes, Texas will be viewed as the SEC team that just didn't play Georgia. That one's the most because Florida State losing is their best route. You're absolutely right. Yes, Florida yes, State yes. losing makes this all a little bit easier to do the math. The fun thing is if everyone else wins out and it becomes Georgia 12 and 1, Alabama 12 and 1, Texas 12 and 1, what does the college yeah. football playoff do? Yep. And uh before we move on, one last thing. Uh Jordan Travis did have a brutal injury. Florida State, their quarterback. So yeah. they get Florida and then Louisville coming up in the ACC title game, I believe. So the route's very there. Very world possibility there. that they could lose. And the thing to yeah. watch for Texas is Xavier Worthy was not in the game at mm-hmm. the end with a left leg injury. So that's one to kind of watch this week in the press conferences yeah. and see how healthy he is because Quinn Ewers doesn't need to be great because he has A.D. Mitchell and C.J. Baxter and Xavier Worthy and J.T. Sanders in a solid offensive right. line. As his, if his weapons start to disappear, if JT Sanders isn't 100%, which I don't think he has been, if Xavier Worthy's now, now you're all of a sudden asking Quinn to do more mm-hmm. with Jonathan Brooks hurt. And so that that's one to watch over these next couple of weeks. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, SMU 38, Memphis 34. Uh, Craven, you tweeted it out. It's like Rhett Lashley's turning slowly into Gus Malzahn as his career goes on because, I mean, he was just... To me, it lends itself to saying, is SMU not explosive because they can't be or because they don't want to be? I fringely think that Red Lashley's like, we don't have to be, and we can just mash teams because mm-hmm. LJ Johnson, welcome to the show. Kamar Whedon, like it was the five-star show for a little bit there uh, where they were just picking their spots and 
again, they struggled against Memphis, who's a good offense, but they were able to say they can't stop us either. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. SMU's three headed running attack is a transfer from Miami. And when he went hurt, he was replaced for with a transfer from AM. And when LJ Johnson mm-hmm. got a little bit banged up, he was replaced with a transfer from Alabama. So yeah. like that is what our, that's what SMU is dealing with right mm-hmm. now. Like they just have more talent. Like they're just a yep. more talented team. Their offensive line is huge. To me, though, it's just bizarro world <laughs> watching SMU win with toughness. Like yeah. they they out physicaled Memphis in Memphis. That's not something that happens three mm-hmm. years ago, right? Like for this SMU team to be a running physical offense, with their their offensive line may end up with three guys on our all Texas list. Like let's just get right. that out of the way. Like they're they're punishing people. Branson Hickman is is a great center. Justin Osborne's the best guard um in in the state and then Hyron Wright's been awesome at tag like they are mashing people uh they entered mm-hmm. the week sixth and stop rate the defense didn't play as well as they've played lately but Memphis is really sure. good and so yeah. to go on the road to win this football game because SMU had been murdering people but quietly it hadn't been very good teams this was kind yeah. of their first test in a long time uh they passed it and that first half Preston Stone kind of stunk and they just run the ball you know like the wind was blowing they weren't in rhythm they just ran the football all over the place LJ Johnson's over hundred yards, two straight weeks. Then it starts getting a little tight in the second half. Memphis comes mm-hmm. and ties it. And SMU goes on a four play, a minute and 10, three vertical pass. And then a one yard run touchdown kind of drive. And it's like, Oh, well there's yeah. SMU like that. That is the SMU. So they can still do the fast pace, go score real quick when they think they need to deal, especially if Preston Stone's going to be more accurate. But the fact that they don't have to win because their quarterback is throwing for 500 yards a game gives SMU so many more routes to victory now. And it's the reason I think that they're the favorite in the conference. Yeah. And I think that with Preston Stone, sure, he may not have the the he may not have the upside of in terms of like arm arm strength, arm talent of like a Tanner Mordica. I think his decision making is why this guy was always going to be the future. He just plays his ball placement. I think is so much better. I think his temperament is so much better. He's not going to force things. So uh, that's where I think he separates himself is like, no, he may not have the insane caliber arm that we've been used to, but I think that he replaces. So one, his arm's not bad either. Um, but I think he replaces so much else with this team. So yeah, I, this is a potentially special team that we're potentially getting. Uh, I mean, are we on tap for SMU UTSA potentially? Yeah, I mean, we're one week away. If both of them win this week, it's UTSA at SMU uh, for the for the AAC championship game. It gets weird if if Tulane wins, then yeah, it's probably sure. SMU at Tulane in New Orleans uh, for that AAC championship because the tiebreaker comes down to who's ranked higher in the college football playoff rankings because these G five leagues want a representative, mm-hmm. you know, in right. in that, and so to give your higher ranked team the home, you know, that that's kind of where yeah. that where that's going, and so. Uh, my money would be on SMU right now, though, on a neutral side anywhere. I mean, from what we've seen from Tulane, so. uh, UTSA is looking better and better. But, you know, just roster construction wise, they're bigger, they're faster. Uh, they're, they're getting coached really well. Scott Simons, the defensive coordinator, deserves a ton of credit for the turnaround of that defense. I looked back through it. Um, they've only had one defense in the last 10 years that's averaged fewer than 30 points. Mm. One. <laughs> Man. You know, they're they're in the teens right now, you know, so this yeah. is the best SMU defense of, you know, probably the modern era. Uh, and they're man. they're allowing themselves to be a balanced football team. And and they're good, man. They're really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to the uh, kind of 
depressing rivalry of this one. Uh, TCU 42, Baylor 17. Um, I thought the funniest outcome would be Baylor winning this. I thought it'd be just the funniest outcome. Just like after everything happens, Dave Randa saves his job because they're probably like, yeah, it turns out something's going good. And then, you know, probably uh, Kendall Browse gets fired or something like that. But that didn't happen. The thing that I thought would happen happened, uh, which is TCU is actually still pretty okay. And Baylor is just a, a mess. Um, this wasn't close. This was just a team that uh, is done. Like in Baylor, they're just done. Like there's nothing. They can't protect Blake Shapin. He had like two touchdowns just dropped. Like Monterey Baldwin just dropped a touchdown. It's like, okay, well, him and Keetron Jackson are supposed to be the stars of this <laughs> Jackson passing. dropped one the next drive that's true yeah that's true he dropped one too and it's like if these are the guys you're supposed to be like depending on it's like I don't and then of course every every press conference just gets more and more depressing with David Randa <laughs> like it's it's I don't know um TCU on the other hand I mean good showing from Josh Hoover right um obviously the the offense in the red zone is what it is but if you don't need if you don't need to worry about that if you're just scoring before you get to the red zone so <laughs> Yeah, I mean TCU was only up 14-10 at halftime. You know, they won, they yeah. won by 25 points and that's with two red zone turnovers in the first quarter, you know. And so uh they did pretty much anything they wanted to. They could have scored 59 points if if they were efficient in, in the red zone. Baylor is 2 and 12 in their last uh 14 against FBS opponents dating back to next yeah. last year. They're 6 and 11 against the conference since they gave Aranda the extension after 2021. Mm-hmm. To me, the stark part is the talent level drop off. Yeah. Baylor was absurdly talented mm-hmm. in 2021. They had draft picks everywhere. Yeah. And even the guys that weren't drafted were like, man, that's a hell of an athlete. Y'all got out there at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know what's going to happen with, Tyron, with Tyson Thompson, but like, he's really good. Right. You know, like, goes yeah. guys like that. Um, but they like don't. Raleigh Tejada, Raleigh Tejada, who didn't, yes. you know, wasn't a draft pick, but it's like, that's a guy a- that you would love. Abram Smith. Yeah, you know yeah. that yeah, I can't off the top of my head. I can't remember the secondary running back they had with Abram Smith. Uh, Tristan Ebner. Yes, that was a little bit faster, and get, they just don't have, like. Where is JT Woods? Yeah, like where is Terrell Bernard? I understand you're not going to replace Jalen Petries all the time. Like that kid's like an absolute stud. But like you, right? Who are the best players for the Baylor football team outside of Blake Shapen? And we spent a whole off season, or I did. Like mm-hmm. trying to beat back the haters of Blake Shapen. Like Blake Shapen's not the problem. Blake Shapen's not the problem. Mm-hmm. Blake Shapen's not the problem. It's this defense. And when the side of the ball that your head coach is the expert on stinks, yep. there is nowhere else to look. If they keep Dave Aranda, he will have his third OC and his third DC in his fifth year as the head coach. That's insane. That doesn't happen at most places. And I know he's owed a lot of money because they extended him through 20, 2031. And I need to say this. On record, stop extending coaches after one really good year. Man, <laughs> no joke. Like, let and them well, go somewhere I say, else. I think, like, I think if the they want to go somewhere was, else, just let them go somewhere else, right? Like, stop. I was about to say, I think the problem, and yeah, I think the problem was that the LSE rumors were coming up. Yeah, of course. That was the problem, the problem with Fisher, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's a good. Yep. They weren't yeah, hiring Aranda. Problem. They weren't hiring yeah. Aranda. They weren't hiring right. Jimbo Fisher. They weren't. Right. Let them go. Let him go take the buyout money and buy the next day veranda. Like he's not this, he's not Nick Saban. You're not holding on to Kirby smart here, right? right? Like he's done it one time. It was his first ever head coaching gig. He's done it for two years. One of them was two and seven. One of them was awesome. Let's see how he does it with his, with his own players first. Before, players. before yeah, right. we give him a six year extension, like, yeah. And this is not just a Baylor thing. This happens across the nation. This is why we're paying 
national happened GDP. To us. <laughs> right. It happened in North Texas. Like this is Michigan why we're State, paying yeah. GDP and national, like uh, across the board, we're paying hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars of dead money to coaches because they get extensions after one year. These athletic directors need like their own business person or something because they're not right. very well, good here, at it. The one thing I would have, if I was Mac Rhodes and after after that happened, the question I would have asked was, who's your Joey McGuire? Right. Who's your guy? Because like, if you were going to give him that extension, right, is like, who is the guy that was doing the job that we don't have anybody for now? Like, because they didn't replace him, right? They have a new tight ends coach, but cool. That's awesome. You can go get a new tight ends coach, right? You don't have a new guy to essentially be the spokesperson for what you want to do and how you're building it, right? Uh, Sean Bell's a quarterback's coach. He, he doesn't have time to do that now, right? Like, he, he can't do that. Uh, uh, Dave Wetzel, it's not, that's not his personality, right? Like, so it's you, not his job. It's not as all, yeah, it's also not his job. So it's like, who was the guy that you, if, if they were going, I agree with you, like, don't, don't give him an extension after one year. But in addition to that, I would have been like, all right, cool. What's the plan after we lose this guy? Right. And they didn't have one. And because of that, it cascades because we see Darren is not a good recruiter and the staff isn't really full of good recruiters right now. So yeah. Hey, I asked y'all, I, I, yeah. I remember asking y'all a bunch how does Dave Aranda recruit with that personality? And again, I'm saying this as somebody with that exact same who likes his personality, right? Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I wouldn't be good at recruiting either because I don't know how I could sell you hope. Like I couldn't <laughs> walk into your house and just like be a different person and start like, hey, right. like. But if you his the guy, the guys you're recruiting against, right? Like if you're if you're a, a four star recruit and you have three in home visits set up on a Wednesday, and it's Sonny Dykes, Joey McGuire, Dave Aranda. Mm-hmm. like football guys are wired different i know who i would want to like maybe work for at like a newspaper company sure but like that's they're not hiring me they're not recruiting right. me like they're recruiting right. psychopaths like these football players and these football coaches we can't even put into words how competitive they are and how yeah. differently wired they are and that's true for these 17 year olds too Joey McGuire just got a five-star receiver that's 45 minutes away from Baylor's campus. AM's true freshman, who is just badass at linebacker, went to Temple. Yeah. The tight end that just caught 180 yards virtue for TCU also to went to Temple. <laughs> yeah. Quentin, Quentin Johnston, who was the first round pick. Temple. <laughs> also went to, you know what I mean? Like you can't, yeah. like you, this is a talent acquisition business. Yeah, the X's and O's are important, and all this is a talent acquisition business. Yeah. Baylor doesn't recruit very well, and Baylor doesn't portal very well, and those nope. two things combined lead you to what we're talking about right now. Yeah, so we'll just say um, we're not breaking any news, we're not reporting anything, but just keep an eye on this because they have to make it. De- Baylor has to make a decision, basically, as far as what's concerned here. Um, TCU, there's not much here to to talk about it they played a bad Baylor team uh Josh Hoover 400 yards good for him like you know obviously showed some whenever he's given the the roadmap he can drive the car um which I think is a good thing Imani Bailey over 100 yards as well um defensively they didn't really need to flex that much because we mentioned aforementioned drops that were supposed to be touchdowns what happened to the run uh, game sorry we need to move on Baylor. no like no but like that, that's I mean look that, that's part of it right that's supposed to be the Baylor thing is like can't if you can't play defense you can't run the ball what what are you doing? That's what, what doing? 20, that's what twenty twenty one was, you know. So if you can't do Honestly, those two things like, anymore, then you're done. I would probably go to what happened to Eric Mateus's offensive line, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like all the things that won he, in twenty twenty one are no longer winning in twenty twenty three. That's a bad thing. Yeah, 
Yep. Uh, by the way, some coaching news that just dropped, um, not in the state, but some random. Well, this one's kind of tangentially. Arkansas said, beat Sam Pittman. You said that, and I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Got to get off this uh, not podcast. In the state, not in the state. Not in the state. Arkansas is keeping Sam Pittman, though. Oh, so that's wow. something. Interesting. So uh, Hunter Juracek, of course, that was Houston's old AD, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Um, they're keeping Sam Pittman. So that is tangentially a Texas job, a guy that uh, a job that would poach Texas jobs, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something related to Baylor, Dino Babers got fired. So if they do keep Dave Aranda, there's your new OC potentially. <laughs> yeah, him or, him or Matt Wells. Yeah, probably. Um, okay. So uh, sorry, I didn't mean to give Craven a heart attack there. Uh, no, did. I would have like, you I would have been a lot more alert if it was something related to us. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're like a little, little coaching news that just dropped. And I was like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> I got to write. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Let's go to the power poll now. We can get through a lot of these because nothing really crazy. Um, but let's go. Sam Houston at the bottom. Uh, 28-23, losing to Western Kentucky. Look, I mean, they're continuing to prove us that this team is a good team that just got dealt a bad non-conference schedule. And mm-hmm. another year with recruiting, with development, with not injuries, right? Like, I think this team's going to be firmly, I don't want to say necessarily competing for conference USA because Liberty's really good, but like punching towards the top, I think in a couple of years, maybe next year, um, this is, you know, they beat La Tech last week. They lose to a pretty okay, kind of a down-ish Western Kentucky team, but still like a team that was favored a lot more than by five. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's a positive step for them continuing to, to end the season. Bittersweet, but still kind of on a sweeter note. Sam Houston football games are my new drug. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nine years clean and sober, but they're, they're becoming a thing that like, maybe isn't that great for me, but I enjoy, uh, right. Keegan committee level. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Keegan, Keegan Shoemaker had a guy open on third and goal with mm. about 30 seconds left to win that football game. And he just missed him, you know, and Shoemaker has yeah. been playing great and he just, he just missed him. And then on the, on the next play on fourth and fourth and goal, uh, he throws an interception. Four of the five Conference USA losses for Sam Houston are by one possession. Two of those are in overtime. <sighs> That's so, so frustrating. Oh my god! Six That's of the brutal. six of their nine losses are by single digits. You know, yeah. so like. This is a good football team. Like they are, I mean, that's crazy to say about a two and nine football team, but like they are, they are a solid football. They are not an awful football team. They're not embarrassing themselves uh, to two and nine. Um, They are a couple of possessions, a couple of decisions, a couple passes away from being a five and four and kind of right there of being one of those success stories of year one. Those are just the margins. If you were talking on Twitter the other day about Mm -hmm. how luck plays a lot more of a factor into our lives and our successes than we like to give credit to. The same thing yes. is true for athletics. Like we 100%. break all of this stuff down and we try to like make all these declarative statements of like what it means. It's a five point football game. Keegan Shoemaker makes a better pass on third and goal. We're talking about how Sam Houston's on a three game winning streak and everything's looking up. Right. And so mm-hmm. some of it is just circumstance and luck. They've just gotten the bad part of it this year. You hope that those coin flips turn the other way next year. They start winning those football games and they're a six and three team or six and four team going, you know? And so uh, we'll see what happens in year two for the Bearcats. Yep. All right. Moving on to UTEP. Uh, all right. Middle Tennessee, 34, UTEP 30. Um, I mean, can't, look, uh, Gavin Hardison's out for the year. I think Cade McConnell is what he is. Like, I don't, I don't know. He's not a guy. He's not a world beater. Um, he has an arm occasionally that he shows Kelly Akari who, I should say he has an arm that can throw to Kelly Akari. I don't know if he has an arm, but he has an arm that can get the ball to their best deep threat. Um, I think it's frustrating for you. It's probably frustrating for UTEP that 
Kelly Akari's development's kind of been like sporadic. He had that breakout game against FIU, kind of been, uh, he was kind of the focus of their coverage and he kind of has a good game yesterday. And it's like, he is clearly their best guy, but it's like, he's not as, there's no other, there's nobody else. And so there's, he's kind of been the only guy in that passing game. Um, the running game was like kind of uh, stopped in this game as well. Deion Hankins didn't have his best game. So, eh. Uh, I don't know. Middle Tennessee is not great either. So it's not necessarily like a team that you're like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's one of the better teams. It's like probably a team that you probably, probably should should hope be. to beat. Yeah. So does Gavin yeah. Hardison have any eligibility left or is this his last year? No, I feel like he's, he's been there he's for done. so long. He's yeah, he's, yeah, he's done. Colin so. Deaver tweeted out when he was in the cast because uh, he had surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colin Deaver tweeted out that he's he has played his final game. Okay. I'd be like Brayon Hayward, where I'm just like chasing to see if he's eligible for a full year. Uh, <laughs> right. UTEP had the ball first and 10 on their own 41 with two minutes and 30 seconds left. And I would like to take y'all through what happened next. Oh, no. Offside on first and 10. So now it's first and 15. Incomplete on second down. So now it or incomplete on the first and 15. So now it's second and 15 with 201 left. They throw a short pass to get to third and 10. Uh, and then there's a post play flag uh personal foul 15 yards after that so now it is third and 25 um from your own 26 now all of a sudden with 142 left you don't take a timeout so now there's a minute 20 left when you snap the ball uh ballard had a catch and then took some more time to call timeout after he was tackled so it's fourth and 10 with a minute Mm -hmm. and eight left incomplete pass they wasted a minute and 20 seconds to get from first down and 10 to fourth down and 10. Buyout lowers December 1st. Yeah. That's stay tuned. Bad <laughs> That's all we'll say is just stay bad tuned. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, Baylor talked about them. North Texas, 35. Tulsa, 28. I was hoping a little bit more from the defense, but obviously it's UNT's defense, so I got a grade on the curve here. Um, look, uh, Tulsa is not very good. So that's why I was hoping a little bit more on the mm-hmm. defense. Uh, they still let up hundred yards on the ground. Um, and I think Kirk Francis, who's like a walk on like quarterback who threw for two fifty or something. So I'm like, all right, I, I, whatever. Look, it is what it is. Running game was awesome. Chandler Rogers was good. Like it is what the only thing that like, the only reason Tulsa was like in this game really is because like, I think the play calling got a little imbalanced at times. There was like a, a third and short they were trying they were really trying to like drain out the clock and i thought tulsa i think they put him in like a fourth and short situation where maybe i don't know maybe a short pass here and there would have kept things honest and they probably could have got a first down so that was the only reason it got real short uh close in my opinion was because the play calling got a little out of whack but other than that good win i mean again they're just kind of playing for showing what the concept of this team is going to be going forward um defensively i think they are what they are they'll have to reassess that in the offseason I was a little worried. I saw that Tulsa scored on their opening possession and then North Texas came back and had to punt on their opening possession. And I was like, oh man, is this going to follow the same script that we've seen the past four weeks? Like, not to Tulsa, not to Tulsa, man. It showed. I was about to say, that that was the thing. It was like, if it did, sure, but not not to this team. (laughs) I'm so glad it didn't end up that way. (laughs) Yeah, only allowed seven points in the second half. So I yeah. think that that's an important, I mean, again, it's Tulsa. Sure. So, you know, sure, I, sure. I think once they settled that down and the script ran out uh, for Tulsa, the North Texas defense was, was solid. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be a documentary on Chandler Rogers not winning this job out of camp because I just have no idea. Like the dude, and that's not like the dude's just un- unbelievable. <laughs> like, yeah, like right. four total touchdowns yesterday, three through the air. Like he's just so efficient. Like I just, I think he's just one of those guys that like once the lights come on and there's real life mm-hmm. action, he doesn't have the red jersey on. He just because he was great in the spring game too, right? I just yep. think he's just one of those dudes that's not a great practice player and just awesome uh, when it's an actual game. Um, when the Eric Morris defense gets a first, first down in their series for my money, most entertaining offense to watch. In no offense. Yeah. Yeah. They mm-hmm. scored 14 points with like in three and a half, four minutes of the second half starting. Like it's just sure. it's, when they start scoring, like there's, there's no way to stop it. I think the bones are there for this North Texas yeah. team to have a much higher upside than they had with Seth Luttrell. They yeah. just have to figure out what the identity is on defense. And sometimes with a coach like Morris, you're just going to have to deal with giving up 30 a game because the offense is one that just doesn't allow you to play great defense because of how they do it. And so that's Probably, just, yeah. that's just the balancing act that he's going to have to figure out in the AAC. Yep. Um, I believe, yeah, he, he's kind of like a manual car a little bit. It's like, it has to get first gear, has to get second. And then once it gets to third and fourth, you're, it's good to go. Right. Rolling. Um, Chandler Rogers, let's see 2,900 yards. Probably he'll be easily going to eclipse at uh, 3000 next week. 26 touchdowns, four uh, interceptions this year. And even he hasn't run that much at, at ULM. He had 350 yards rushing in on the season and he only has 188. So he hasn't had to run a lot um, this we, year we, as far as r- for rushing yards. He scrambles, but not necessarily for yards. We can't make him the first team all Texas quarterback after the year because North Texas is five and seven at best. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but numbers wise, production wise, um, there hadn't been many better. Yep. All righty. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Houston. Okay. Let's get, let me bring this one up real quick. Uh, 30. Okay. So Oklahoma state 43 Houston 30. Um, I was, I looked over when this game started and I was like, Oh, Houston okay. looked Maybe. good. Yeah. Double digit um, lead before the half. Yeah. And, and, and then it went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was and the then Oklahoma uh, State remembered Oklahoma State's like oh wait we got to win to get in the big Twelve title game and so it just kicked on and the second half was something very depressing to watch partially Mallory you were there what was kind of the yeah the vibe of just the stadium when you just when it kind of realized like oh Oklahoma State's kind of turning it on and Ollie Gordon who's like oh obviously my gosh. incredible like I was hitting another level I was I was cheering for Houston because you know they're our Texas team and stuff. But man, like I was, I was probably the biggest Ollie Gordon fan there. Like every time he scored, I was like in full Houston gear. I was like, yeah, Ollie Gordon. Like, <laughs> like who is this girl even cheering for? Like football, yeah. I guess you know. But no, the uh, <laughs> like goes the Rob Lowe hat, the Rob Lowe <laughs> hat. Hey, you just know. love chicks chicks dig the touchdowns man they do yeah. they do <laughs> man no the the stadium i mean it was pretty full like there were a ton of houston fans there i'll tell you what it did it though it was the uh it was the donovan smith pick right before the half where osu was mm-hmm. able to turn that into a touchdown on their next possession that was kind of i feel like the downfall of houston um there were a ton of oklahoma state fans there too we sat oh, in yeah. oklahoma state section and there were i mean that stadium it sounded kind of like an Oklahoma State home game. Um, it's a big, big oil pick, and gas, big oil and gas school in Houston is a big oil and gas area. So they're like Tech has a lot of Houston alums. Oklahoma State has a lot of Houston uh, based alums. 
Yeah. And then mm. I think after, I think after that pick that Donovan Smith threw heading into the half, that's kind of when gears flipped and probably was the 24 point. unanswered. Yeah. Yeah, it was. <sighs> so they just couldn't really stop much after the, after the half, but you know, it is what kind it of is. an, just kind of an undisciplined football team. Um, you know, they're up 14 to three. They're about to make Oklahoma state punt. They have all the momentum in the world can go make this like a 21 to three game. And then they get called for taunting. Yeah. You know, where they just stand over a guy, just taunt him. Oklahoma State continues the drive. Next thing you know, they score a touchdown. Score. And then right. and then the interception becomes a touchdown. That's 14 free points in the first half that you don't you don't need to give a team like Oklahoma State. Uh you end up losing by 13. You know, it's not rocket yeah. science sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the uh one of the stats that's interesting to me from our guys at gocoogs.com, uh five straight games with an interception of Donovan Smith. Houston is 12 and 16 under Dana Holgerson when the quarterback throws a pick and one and five this season. They small stay, margins. They let, I was about to say small margins and they let things cascade sometimes. So, or like you mentioned, when the pick happens, like before the half, where it's yeah. something that they could really take control of the game. So yeah, uh, we'll see again um kind of what the the vibes are in Houston uh going forward. Okay. Uh moving on to Rice. This one, I don't think I had the score up actually. 28-7. Rice 28-7 over Charlotte and uh AJ Paget. There's Rice still holding on. AJ Padgett saying the season's not thrown in yet, but of course it was Dean Connors that kind of did the thing. Um, they finally, for the first time this season, they don't have JT Daniels. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, we can run the ball now. <laughs> hey guys, we can, <laughs> we can that. remember that quarterback we've been making do everything. Yeah, he doesn't have to do that. We got, we got a guy who can almost go for 200 yards on the ground. Um, I know Charlotte's not very good, but like this was a this is still a rice team really trying to scrounge for something and a rice team that's counted on JT Daniels to do everything on offense. So this wasn't a guaranteed win. Um, so I, they're still holding on and I still, I would hate for this team to not, this is a better team than we've seen from rice. And I would hate for this team not to get a bowl opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the best rice team since 2014. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. the most talented won, yeah. rice team when they won the since- conference. Yeah. Yeah, since 2014. Uh, defense had only allowed about 51 yards passing when this thing was like over, you know, and, and Charlotte started kind of throwing it around to try to catch up there. Um, AJ Pageant wasn't great, and we kind of we yeah. kind of saw why JT Daniels is so important. Uh, yeah. But I'd wonder if you gave true serve to Mike Bloomgren if he just like really loved the way that this game was, right? <laughs> right. I was about to say, he's like, oh, I don't run have to throw over, 40 times a game. <laughs> play a bunch of defense, get out yeah. of there as quick as possible. Uh, this was a big win for Rice because they need six wins. Um, take that for what for how you need to take that. They need they need to get to six wins. And so uh they're one away from doing that. They got FAU at home next week. Last oh, year cool. they had all the momentum in the world and then lost at Charlotte. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all remember that. Like I do. this year. They kind of like, you know, I, you could tell that this was one of those, like, we're not going to mess this one up. Like, we're not going to mm-hmm. sleepwalk through this one. Uh, they came to play. They were physical. And all they got to do next week is beat FAU at home. And they have a 6-1 season and a bowl game. And FAU's not, FAU hasn't been great. They're a solid they're four team. Seven. Yeah, great. they're not. Yeah, they haven't been great under Tom Herman's. In Tom no Herman's Casey Thompson year. anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's a good point. No Casey Thompson. Um, I did like that Rice showed a little bit of versatility, right? In the run game, they were like, okay, here's a reverse to Luke McCaffrey and just trying try to get something going. So shows a little bit of creativity in the absence of their go-to guys. So, okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, seven TCU talked about them. All right, let's get this one out the way. Texas State. Uh, Arkansas State, oh. 77. <laughs> Texas State, 31. GJ Kenny plays the 5D chess move of losing by... 40 plus 
to get everybody off his back and the shine saying, don't hire me. Just kidding. I give up 77. You don't want to hire me. (laughs) Uh, At least that's what I'm telling myself. I mean, look, I've seen this team a lot. This is a team that can't handle when things start going backwards a little bit right now. Um, TJ Finley didn't play bad, but he had fumble. He had the drops, right? That was kind of his thing. He didn't throw picks, but he threw, uh, he couldn't hold on to the ball. And of course this defense is feast or famine, like straight up just feast or famine. They similar to similar to Eric Morris. When you have an offense like this, right? you either go one or two ways. You either try to run a good defense and try to hold, it's like, eh, or you just do what these guys do and say, screw it, we're going for sacks, picks, and big the plague plays. And when it doesn't happen, give up 77 points sometimes. <laughs> uh, it happened against Troy as well, where you, they just, they lose contain. And that's the risky play when you play this kind of defense. Yeah, one in five versus teams with a, FBS teams with a 500 or better record. They're still in year one. Like, I think G.J. Yeah. Kinney is a great coach. I think Texas State is building something that's going to be awesome. But yeah. it's still year one, and mm-hmm. they're overachieving. And and if you're overachieving, that shouldn't make the regressing to a mean look awful. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think you put it perfectly. This is the type of defense that is feast or famine. Yesterday was famine. It got out, out of control on them. They still got six wins. They can get to seven next week and then do a bowl game. Everything's still in front of them. I don't think it's like skies falling type stuff there. Right. Uh, you look just, at 77 and it doesn't feel good, but like, right. no, uh, no, no. It, it uh, is what it is. They just, they've, they're already beating that kind of peer level group. Right. And this is just a team that needs to get a little bit better over one more off season to then go to that next weight class up there. My question to you is, do you think the basketball team allows 77 points to Arkansas State this year? <laughs> no, no, I will say that. No, I don't think they do. <laughs> oh, man, it's 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 bad. That was it was it's a bad defensive performance. I mean, no, and of course, Texas fans, Texas fans will remember. Uh, actually, I don't think I was checking the schedule right now. OK, t- the basketball team has allowed it once over 77. <laughs> Everything else has been under 77. But uh, Texas fans will remember uh, Manny Diaz. Similarly, uh, Jonathan Packey was Manny Diaz defensive coordinator. So just is what it is. Um, all right, moving on in the power poll, wrapping up here, Texas tech. All right. 24 UCF 23, Texas tech goes bowling. Um, it wasn't easy. UCF's out of the new schools in the big 12 UCF's turned it on. John Reese Plumley is, as has proven to be the guy they needed to run this offense. Um, and Texas Tech relied on what they needed to to get this done, man. I think Taj Brooks, of course, is just insane this season. His workload's been insane. It probably should be even more because we've seen Zach Kitley get out of his bag a little or get into his bag a little bit too much. And Baron Morton, I think, to me, shows that he is the future of this program. Like everything, I tweeted it out where it said, I think last year they benefited from a down Oklahoma, underachieving Texas. And they didn't play Oklahoma State, who was also down. So I don't probably didn't. They probably would have won that anyway. But like they got to eight wins in this historic win. And all of a sudden people thought it's going to go up from here. And it's like, if you would have said they win six or seven games in year one, and then six or seven games in year two, and then they get recruiting wins like Micah Hudson, Will Hammond, I think people would have been like, yeah, that's fine. I think it's pretty good. Right. But they win eight games and then they come down to earth and win six, seven games. And people are like, what's happening? What's going on? The world's ending. It's like, this team and this program, I still think, are very much okay. Mm-hmm. They have a chance to do the funniest thing next week, <laughs> which we'll see, <laughs> which, we, which we could see. But everything is still, to me, okay. 
Yeah, it didn't help that uh, guys like our old college football writer, David Ubbin, picked uh, Texas Tech to win the Big 12 somehow. Oh, somehow. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't I still don't I still don't quite get that. But Joe is very nice. And so yeah. that can, that can be uh, hypnotic towards the media, I think, a little bit. Um, I mean, we call them dark horses, right? We fell yeah, for it yeah, a little yeah. bit. No, we were, they, we were but, a little bit more hesitant. But they're going to finish like... fourth or fifth in the conference, which is about yeah. what a dark horse does. Anyway, yeah. Um, sure. Joey is the second coach in Texas Tech history to go bowling in his first two seasons at, at Tech, the other one being Mike Leach. Um, the 12 seasons before Joey had three different coaches and none of them finished with a winning record in the Big 12. He's going to do that two years in a row. Um, and so to Ish's point, this thing is moving in the right direction. You know what I found? I'm going to write about this in a second when we hang up for the 411. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer is 13 and 1 in November. Joey McGuire is five and one in November. They are combined 18 and two in November. Those mother effers know how to coach in November, <laughs> man. That high school yeah. football playoff season starts it coming around on them and they start beating the brakes off of people. If they could figure out the non-con the first four weeks of the season, they, they, they'd be really good. They got to shake yeah. that whole like non-district doesn't matter con- concept out of their brain. <laughs> uh, but they are good at knowing how to get their team playing better and better as the season goes on. Kind of like Casey Keeler at Sam Houston because he was playing for playoffs his whole yeah. career where you're not worried about the first four, first four weeks. You're worried about the last four mm-hmm. weeks in college football. You got to worry about all, all the weeks. And so that's the adjustment. Uh, but for the second straight year, they're playing their best football at the end. Yep. hundred percent. All righty. Uh, A&M, not much here to talk about, but A&M 38, Abilene Christian 10. Um, coolest moment in this game was the walk on uh, 12th man kickoff group uh, getting in the game and then getting a fumble, which was really sick. Um, of course, it looked like to me the only news in this game was that it looked like AM was having fun. <laughs> it looked like AM, like Moose Muhammad was wearing sleeves. <laughs> like I love that. Where it's just like the biggest FU to Jimbo. <laughs> like yeah. it's like the first game back, the first game you're gone. I'm wearing sleeves. And a lot, you know, Elijah Robinson was like, they wore those sleeves. Like, yeah. like you know, he probably told him, like, um, they wore an, like they wore an so. they wore an alternate uniform for the first time since 2018. And six years All under Jimbo room. Fisher, six years under Jimbo Fisher, they did it. One time and the first game without them did it. Amazing. Like, this oh is a gosh. this is a uh getting let out of Leavenworth situation. Mm-hmm. I think AM next year could really be like TCU in 2022, where you get rid of a tyrant, and if you bring in somebody with just some good vibes, all yeah. of a sudden you look around and you go, Holy shit, this is a pretty talented <laughs> roster. We can win a yeah. lot of football games. And so uh, their their job number one is to find a good vibes coach who is the antithesis of the one that they just left. Um, shout out to Dave Wilson at ESPN, by the way. Yes, 100%. That made 100%. me laugh. Oh, my gosh. I was like, <laughs> Go man. check out the piece if you haven't uh, if you haven't seen. Uh, they get, Of course, they get LSU next week, which, again, have a chance to do something pretty funny. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll it's see. not home, though, is it? Is it at LSU? It's at LSU. Yeah, it's at, at Baton Rouge, so we'll see. All right. Craven, I'll let you go off here. Uh, number three, UTSA 49, USF 21. St. Frank plays his final game in the Alamo Dome. You were there on hand. You were there to witness it. I stupidly took the under in passing yards because I was like, oh, yeah, they'll, they'll take care of business. They'll pull him. Forgot it was senior night. So I was like, oh, yeah, no, they're not pulling him. <laughs> so... well, well, what's crazy is they pulled him. You know, he, oh. you know, he, he didn't play a lot of that fourth quarter, but yeah, 523 yeah. total yards for the first time in his career. He had three rushing touchdowns and three passing touchdowns in the same damn game. 
Um, he looks like a guy who hasn't had 10 surgeries on his left knee alone or surgeries on thing, his left yeah. knee alone, 10 surgeries total, uh, since his high school career, the dude had four surgeries on knee over the off season and the UTSA runner road runners are seven zero in conference play. Like, it's just, I don't, none of us were around to watch Sammy ball at TCU right. or James street at tech, like those guys that like really set the foundation for like football lore at a school. Frank Harris is not only the greatest football player ever in UTSA history. I think he's mm-hmm. the greatest athlete ever from San Antonio in terms of like the impact he's had on the city. And if we take away spurs like Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Monty Ginobili and Tony Parker, and now Wimby, Frank Harris is the most beloved and recognizable player in the city of San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And he did it as a UTSA football player. As somebody who graduated from that school in 2008, that is absolutely asinine. Like it's an insane thing. Uh, What uh, Frank Harris, what Rashad Wisdom, who also played one of his best games in a long time. Uh, It was electric to be there. It was a lot of fun to see. They've been dealing with a lot of distractions with the AM coaching search and Jeff Trailer being on every single coaching list. So you worried about how they were going to handle that. Um, but they were just they were lights out. And, you know, I I don't know of many players who are more clutch than Frank Harris. And you knew on senior night in a big moment like that, he was going to do something special. And he had five hundred and twenty three total yards. In a way, I'm very like I know Jeff Trailer was not happy about playing on a Friday night, but in a way, I'm glad because like the country got to really send off Frank Harris yeah. in his last. That's a good game. point. Like I saw, I was about to say like Twitter was like Frank Harris, Frank Harris, Frank Harris, like keep him in the game, let him get the passing. You know, they were like everybody was like in unison, like let this guy finish, let this guy you know get to four fifteen, whatever the the school record was at the time or whatever, like. And so it was really cool to like for him to get that moment unanimously and him signing autographs on the sidelines after he was out of the game. That's just like you mentioned it in your piece. Like he's a San Antonio sports icon now, like straight up like San Antonio born and bred. Uh, I did like uh, Cyrus Smith from one of the former editors at uh, Underdog Dynasty tweeting out Jared Kalmus's uh, recruiting uh, piece at the time when they recruited him saying Frank Harris is the biggest recruiting win in UTSA history at the time when he was a senior in or a junior in yeah. Clemens. So obviously it goes on to be proven true, but it's just like everybody kind of knew what he could be. But even though I still don't think that people knew what he ended up being. Right. Um, so, and he became a completely different kind of quarterback. The yeah. one that the one that's written about in that piece and the one that committed to UTSA was yeah. a dual threat running quarterback. And he, he still a, has a, a little bit of if he that. went to Baylor, if he was at ba- if he went to Baylor, he would have been a DB. Right. Right. Yeah. And he through those injuries, he had to become a legit weapon in the pocket. The fact that Frank Wilson is leading UTSA potentially to a Frank third Harris. Ch- Harris. You did it again. God damn it. <laughs> uh the potential potentially leading them to the third conference game in, in three years as mostly a pocket passer with his arm. It's just just absolutely incredible. I got a Jeff Trailer stat for you real quick before we sign off on here. Mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer's conference record at home. 17 to 0. At home. That's nuts. Man doesn't dome miss. sweet dome, dome baby. Wizard. Yeah. Dome sweet dome. Look at that. Well, and they could there, there's potentially, I mean, they could potentially host the AC AAC championship, right? 
they would need SMU to lose to Navy and okay. for UTSA to beat Tulane, beat Tulane because the, week, the tiebreaker right. will come down to the higher ranked college football playoff team. And that right. would be Tulane if Tulane beats UTSA. So SMU would play if if SMU beats Navy and Tulane beats UTSA, it'll be SMU at Tulane. If UTSA beats Tulane and SMU beats Navy, it'll be UTSA at SMU. And if right. SMU loses to Navy and UTSA beats Tulane, it'll be, I believe, Tulane at UTSA or SMU at UTSA, depending on the tiebreaker between Tulane and SMU. Right. Yeah. Man. Uh, he's eight and one this year as a starting quarterback. Of course, he was not fully healthy in that Houston game. So he's still, he was, he's four points away from being nine and oh in his final year as a starting quarterback. So <laughs> sensational. All right. Um, yeah. So we get, uh, talked about SMU and we talked about Texas. Uh, those round out the power pole. Oh, man. All right. Craven, where are you going to be this weekend? Texas Tech versus Texas, day after Thanksgiving. Boom. Yes. Of course, uh, the the Brett Yormark Bowl. Um, <laughs> again, well, I wish I was going to be in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UTSA yeah. at Tulane. Uh, it's going to be on ABC. The fact that UTSA yeah. is playing on ABC on Black Friday. Come on, guys. What are we doing here? That this rocks. Is... <laughs> That's so cool. That's so sick. All right. We'll sign off there uh, this weekend. We'll join us for the Wednesday show. Um, or actually, we'll probably get a, because it's Thanksgiving. So probably. Won't do it live. Probably have to record it or something. Um, But regardless, something something like that. Um, Regardless, stay tuned for the Wednesday show. It'll drop on Wednesday. We'll put it that Mm -hmm. way. Um, And then, of course, we'll be back next Sunday with a recap of a crazy and wild last weekend before conference title games. 